0: Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 47. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco and home, to the NBA Finals Champion Golden State Warriors. Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola.
1: Hi, and I'm Joyce Jang. Joyce, it's
0: so good to have you back on the show.
1: It's great to be back. This is always so much fun.
0: Well, we have, as you know, a very, very special podcast today where we're going to be profiling one of our own Ben Henry. Uh, But before we get into that conversation and the interview that we had with Ben, what have you been up
1: to? Um, A lot, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Our team successfully rolled out the SuperVision Mm -hmm. product, which is basically a revamp of our compliance product. And it's super exciting because it's just completely brand new. We've entirely reinvented how we do compliance, especially based off of the advisors that Mm -hmm. we've been talking to Mm -hmm. and um, the compliance admins that we've gathered a lot of information from. Mm -hmm. And so it's very catered to their specific use case. And it's, It's been a lot of fun because we haven't actually reinvented compliance in a while. And Mm -hmm. coming up with something completely new in the market, it has been very exciting to see. And um, as I talked about last time, our team has been really awesome. And Mm -hmm. we just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I
0: think the last time you were on, you were with Garland. Yes. And uh, we also had uh, the The intern. Yes,
1: yes. Chris Lita. Chris Lita,
0: that's right. And uh, and now we have a whole new set of interns that have come in from ten. all over. Ten. Ten. Ten interns. It's wow.
1: insane, yeah.
0: Wow, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah, a lot of fresh, new talent. And, and I think what you were talking about as far as the compliance enhancements, it was really almost like this refresh. So we occasionally need to go back take a look at our system, Mm -hmm. um, update it, renew Mm -hmm. it, and then release it. So it sounds like the the industry has received it very well. You're getting uh, good good feedback?
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Awesome. That must feel pretty good. Oh, it's
1: very exciting, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you been out on the field to get this, or are they just calling in? Uh,
1: Not recently. Mm -hmm. I've been sending um, a lot of the the people on our team Mm -hmm. just because I – I feel like if they can feel it themselves, they can experience and like talk to our customers themselves and Mm -hmm. like they can actually derive a lot of value from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to get back out there soon. It's just, yeah, time.
0: Yeah, time is all. Well, speaking of time, we're coming up into the summer months. Mm -hmm. Any exciting plans for the summer?
1: Not really. Not really. Not really. Just like enjoying the weather. Yeah, and no traveling anywhere. Oh, just stay home. Just well, stay well home, I mean, yeah. come on. You're in San Francisco. Hey, yeah, I can't It's, it's yeah, not bad, right? Exactly. You can't complain. <laughs> you
0: got San Francisco. You got the the World Championship NBA team. Yes, go right. Dubs. And, uh, you know, I was being very somewhat As soon as they won, I sent out a tweet and said, okay, so they've got the World Championship Baseball team. Mm-hmm. You've got the World Championship Basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um your move, 49ers. I know, right? I know, or or Oakland Raiders It's their move. Either one, right, right. right but yeah. I think I'm being hashtag. It says hashtag delusional optimist that that might happen because I think our team got dismantled. And of course, this is more Eli's <laughs> area of expertise than mine. But um, that would be a miracle. That yeah. would be very special if they came back with a you know Super Bowl championship. It
1: would be crazy. Yeah.
0: So I I don't know that it's happening, but uh, but that would really probably make everybody extremely happy here and Absolutely. we'd have our philip parades which is which is yeah fun. Mm-hmm. so we've got as you know a very special interview eli and i sat down with ben henry um who is a director of engineering here mm-hmm. at hearsay social he's been here for for a number of years mm-hmm. very colorful background i don't want to give anything away yeah uh, so without further ado here's our interview with ben So joining us on Hearsay Social on the Air, we've got Ben Henry. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. It's good to be here. Welcome, yeah. Now, I know you did a podcast before, so you uh, you did it with our engineering group. And for those that do not know, we've promoted it before. There mm-hmm. is a software... Engineering podcast. That is correct. Yes, I've that, been on one uh,
2: episode of that.
0: So this is. So this
2: is. Yeah, I'm a veteran. Oh, this yeah. is no problem. Should yeah. come easy, easy peasy. To you. Yeah, I love talking about myself too. Anyway, so. <laughs> well, that's what today's yeah. <laughs> subject is all about. It's
0: all. This is the Ben Show. It's all you. Okay? Perfect. So we've been doing this employee spotlight series, and we try to mix it up. You know, people from engineering, from product, from sales. We just were in New York. We did a two-part series in New York a little earlier. And so today, we've got you, you're joining us from the engineering group. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted just to just get a little bit of background. So that's where we typically start. Tell us a little bit about your life before Hearsay Social, where you grew up, and then just walk us through uh, your oh, wow. past. So my down life, the walk down memory lane. My life is... is um
2: goes back a long ways. Uh, Let's see. I I guess if you want to all the way back to the beginning, I was born in uh, Watsonville, California. Oh, right. uh, Yeah. And I lived in a tiny town called Aromas for the first three years of my life Mm -hmm. and then moved to Santa Cruz around three years, when I was three years old because my mother was attending UCSE. Okay. She was a banana slug. She was a banana slug. Yeah. Yeah. She she was uh, (laughs) getting her combined, doing like a joint master's program and and something like that. I think in social work. And um, we lived in the student family housing there. Mm -hmm. Um, My father had passed away when I was very, very young, when Mm -hmm. I was one. And so she moved us to Santa Cruz at that time. And I lived in Santa Cruz until until I went off to college. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess living in Santa Cruz is is an interesting experience uh, in and of itself, especially during that time because it was... The university was not very old when my mother started going there, and, mm-hmm. and now I think the university is, is like the dominant force there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up was really watching the town change mm-hmm. as it went from sort of sleepy beach resort town to university town, right, um, which with a very sort of liberal reputation.
0: Now, were you there in Santa Cruz during the whole Lost Boys and the Vampire? And the whole thing, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, I, I uh, mean yeah, Santa yeah. Cruz. There you go. Yeah. Michael. Michael. There's yeah, there's <laughs> actually been a lot of
2: movies filmed there. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Sudden Impact was filmed. Parts of that were filmed there. There was another film called The Creator. Uh-huh. Harold and Maude was filmed there. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. You know um, At least parts of it were. Uh-huh. Uh, parts of it were here in San Francisco. But um, so that's, yeah, it's actually Santa Cruz has had kind of, Quite a few films filmed there. But I was there when they were doing the, the Lost Boys or Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember much about it. It really didn't impact the town while mm-hmm. it was happening, and, mm-hmm. and I believe in the film they called the town something else. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I was there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really part of the town's sure. culture or anything sure, sure, like sure. that. We didn't go around looking,
0: wondering who was vampires and things like <laughs> that. So. Well, one of my favorite films just recently was Chasing Mavericks. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know, or you know, that's how you discover right. that Mavericks just north of Santa Cruz is a huge. What is it? November, right? Yeah, or at least during mm-hmm. certain yeah, part of the year. Yeah, they the giant wave uh-huh. uh,
2: contest. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. I'm not a surfer though, so I, even though I grew up in Santa Cruz, mm. I I have never even attempted to to stand up on a surfboard. Sure. So <laughs> that is not my
0: thing. <laughs> well, when I I grew up in Morgan Hill, and mm. they, there mm-hmm. was a surf club and such, and and I could have. But the only reason why I didn't is because I understood that it was kind of tough. Right. Like, yeah. it was the locals only. <laughs> like, they, that was their waves. You do not right. move in on Santa yeah, Cruz waves. Yeah,
2: valley go home. Uh-huh. That was yeah. a common phrase there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah the, the locals were very territorial about about their, about about their the waves. You know, I don't even know the lingo. I don't even know what to call it. But uh, I would never wanted to do it because that water is just... Brutally it's cold. cold. <laughs> and they would always get up at like four o'clock in the morning to get the morning swell and I would
0: uh, be like, Well, that's just uh, that's totally not, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of with
3: you on that one. Yeah, yeah.
0: No way. All right. So you head out of and go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so what was it that brought you into, you know, technology? Did you study that in school or uh no,
2: actually. Mm. I, I well, so I got into software development in junior high school. Mm. I took a class in basic. And Whoa, that was wow. really sort of my first foray wow. into it. And so I had dabbled with computers for a long time, mm-hmm. mostly at school because I, I didn't have my own machine at home until high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I always dabbled when I was, you know, um, whenever I had the opportunity to, to get in front of machines. But um, I decided to. So I went to Columbia University mm-hmm. um, at, right out of high school, and I was an English literature major because wow. I wanted to be a writer. Mm. you know mm-hmm. uh, and it seemed like that was the right thing to do was to get an English literature degree and uh, so I could you know eventually one day be be a great and famous writer um,
0: the great American novel
2: that's right yeah it was. that was going to be in my future but the problem is, is I actually never wrote anything <laughs> so you know that is one of those key things that you have to do to be a writer is actually write uh-huh. words down <laughs> on paper or in a word processor and I never did that so that kind of uh um, you know, eliminated that as a career option. And while I was there, I just got more and more on my on my own mm-hmm. into the web, mm-hmm. which was you know, it was brand new. Mm-hmm. There, it was really starting to hit the mainstream, I believe. And this was in what '94, mm-hmm. um, so that was right around when Netscape Two was coming out, and um, you know, the first you know web browsers, commercial web browsers, were coming out, and um, I really, yeah, I started doing web development on Netscape, too, Mm -hmm. um, when, and I think that was the first one with JavaScript, Um, so uh, that was really the first programming language that I attempted to learn um, at all in depth, Um, and then that got me really excited about it, so I took uh, software engineering courses at Columbia Mm -hmm. uh, on the side as my electives, Um, and that was sort of the beginning of it. I never changed my major, though, so... um, I probably should have because I I eventually got so bored with English literature that I stopped going to class if you stop going to class they they kind of don't give you good grades and (laughs) Um, and if you get enough bad grades they ask you to to not be there anymore that's that's crazy
3: i know it's crazy right
2: you know i paid my tuition you think that would be enough but no they actually wanted me to do work i don't know education
0: system
2: (laughs) uh Uh, so uh, yeah i mean the worst thing is is i made it seven semesters right so i got really close to getting my degree but didn't Mm. um and then they kicked me out and uh well, they asked me oh, to man. take a break, you know, right. and I was like, okay, sure, I'll take a break. And they said, you can come back, and, you know, mm-hmm. if you take these steps. And it was—they were fairly simple steps, but—but um, but I left. I went and I got married, and I got a job answering telephones as a temp, mm-hmm. right? And um, that happened to be with a company called EDS, oh,
4: okay.
2: and uh, I was answering phones for them for a very brief period of time before they said, hey, you seem like a smart guy. Um, why don't you come on with us full-time and we'll train you as a software engineer. Hmm. And the reason they were doing that was because that was right around the dot-com boom. Wow, yeah. When there were software engineers were impossible to Mm -hmm. find. So, Very
3: similar to now, I mean correct. it's just well, so hard to find them.
2: Yeah, I mean and I don't know that that ever really Being went sarcastic away, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, you know I, I think after the dot-com bust there was certainly a sure. um, a lot of people lost their jobs that were in software development, but I talk about this in my other podcast, that the other episode that I did, but you know a lot of people who lost their jobs at that time were not professionally trained engineers, mm-hmm. right? All of the professionally huh. trained engineers, I think very few of them had a hard time surviving the dot-com right. um, bust. Mm. Um, and luckily for me, I was officially trained. Uh, I just wasn't in school. It was by EDS. Mm-hmm. They, they sent me through a boot camp program.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, great. And,
2: uh, yeah, so that's how I really got into it. Mm-hmm. Was It was just kind of by accident. Yeah, really? Yeah. I mean, I had always loved computers, and I'd loved web development, and I'd been doing it on, my, on the side on my own. Um, but getting into it was just a stroke of luck, really. Hmm. So I I know we asked Steve, so what was your first computer? My first computer, um, my first computer was a Mac Classic. We didn't get it until, yeah, Uh I mean, you know, I I, I learned about computers on the Apple IIe when I was in elementary school. Right. Um, But my house, we never had computers until I was
0: 16. Yeah, I got a computer a little later, but there was an Apple IIe at at school. Yeah, we had the Apple IIe at school. And it was still the floppy oh, disk drive. There a fair amount of
3: generational gap no, yeah. you know, yeah. between yeah. us, and we still were rocking <laughs> Apple IIe yeah. when I was there. <laughs> I know. That oh, Apple IIe like, had yeah, staying power, it, man. It, 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 yeah, I did. remember it my Oregon legs, Trail cool. and my Well, I remember my Cap- Marlins it was then. like
0: mm-hmm. Castle Wolfenstein. Am oh, Castle Wolfenstein. Oh, and, there you and go. And I remember that with the floppy disk. Yeah. And so that uh-huh. if you if you got caught, if you, if you pulled the disk fast enough, your right. guy wouldn't
3: die or <laughs> something like that. No. <laughs> yeah. oh, totally yeah. dude. do. You remember I that? totally know what you're talking. about I was about. like, yeah.
0: we were sitting there. And It's like your guy is dead, and like <clears throat> real quickly pulled the disk and then out, put it back in, and then put it back and in, then and you then, then you went, you're still yeah. okay, and it just reverts to where the last you know reset was. <laughs> or wow, I never did that. You would <laughs> think that me being the engineer would figure out how to hack that, but no, we were rocking the Apple II.
3: Apple II is in the Mac. Classic. Those were those were great. So
0: you get trained through this uh, EDS, which is great. So you mm-hmm. have that formal. So walk us through then what kind of were the steps that led you to HearSay Social? The steps that led me to HearSay Social. Well, so
2: I kind of bounced around in the industry for a while um, doing mostly IT stuff. So so when I was EDS, they were a services provider, so they provide IT services mm-hmm. to other companies. They would build software, right? The first account I was on was building a very elaborate um, piece of software. Um, To administer health benefits for a large telecom Mm. and um, they but the next account I went to was just in an IT shop Mm -hmm. and um, I left EDS uh, while I was at that second account that was at Cadence Design Systems when the Cadence Design Systems canceled the account with EDS but wanted to keep all of the EDS employees on as Cadence employees so I I transitioned from EDS to Cadence at that time and um, and then And so that was was IT development. I wasn't building product. And um, I eventually went to do QA development at PeopleSoft uh, after I got laid off from Cadence right right around uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 9-11. And I I went over to PeopleSoft doing QA development, and I was really just not into it because I really wanted to do product development, but nobody would hire me to do that. Mm -hmm. So I ended up deciding to go back to school. And, um, and to actually get my degree. In, oh, okay. And, uh, and I could have gone back as an English lit major, and, and it would have been a lot shorter, but I, I really wanted, you know, I knew at that time that I wanted to write software. Sure. Um, and so I, I, um, I got my degree in computer science, and, and that was at uh, Cal State East Bay. Um, All right. right after they changed their name from Hayward to East Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did gloss over a very important—this has nothing to do with me joining Hearsay Social. Mm-hmm. But after I left PeopleSoft, I was really sort of disillusioned, right? I didn't want to play—I didn't want um, to do QA, didn't want to do IT. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, so instead I decided I was going to become a professional poker player.
0: I remember that. Yeah, yeah. so—
2: so it was at that point in time that I spent my year playing poker online. Um wow. I also played in Las Vegas a little bit. We would travel there occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of it was playing online poker.
3: Yeah. All right. So I say we just break the rest of the podcast and start dealing, and just let's let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Three three <laughs> men up. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. in. <laughs> let's get Tomo in here, and we'll do it right now. <laughs> Tomo
2: <laughs> and Samir. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Samir in. can't
3: play. Yeah. We're just let's not kid oh, really? ourselves. Yeah. We invited him yeah. so we yeah, can Tomo, take him. Tomo
2: in. finished in the money. In the, I know. In
3: the,
0: in the the world poker yeah tournament. So did he? Did you really? No, I just. Missed oh, you the made it today. You, you, you made it. You didn't finish it to You didn't finish You okay. it. Yeah. 2008 right. World Series of Poker. Right. Made it to day three. Actually won my entry. Yeah. I was just happy to be there. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. I was yeah. just so happy to be there at the big event because, cool. you know, what I tell people, and and this is this is the thing is, I will never play in the Super Bowl. I will never play yep. in the World Series. Right. right. Yeah. But you can play in the World Series of Poker right. with right. the professionals. Right. So right. Anybody can. I remember sitting at the table and looking over, and you'd see like. Chris Moneymaker. Yeah, I yeah. actually went and spoke to him. It was just yeah. like so cool, and said you were an inspiration. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what got me. Chris uh, Moneymaker is absolutely what got me yeah. into yeah. online poker. What was the name of the other guy with the shark? Like I met him and he took oh, a picture. Oh God, or, uh,
3: yeah. Uh, Bertolini. Yeah, he was Benicio. from the the Central America. America. Crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Insane. Um, I've yeah I've played with uh, Gavin Smith a bunch right. actually because his yeah. wife is from Alaska, yeah. so he comes and he plays charity tournaments. Right. Nicest guy ever. That's yeah. Very cool. And then wow. I got to play with Kid Poker once at a tournament at a table, and now that was. You're just, you're just, I mean, I was just staring at him. I mean, it's like getting to play baseball with right? Buster Posey, let's right. say, you yeah. know, you're just, you're just like, so I can't focus because <laughs> you're over there and you're the best, one of the best top five players in the world. Yeah. You know? I remember when I was, <laughs> I was too scared to be in a pot with him, you know, <laughs> when I was playing and it was day, I
0: think it was day one or day two, um, they came over to the lady who was sitting to my right or to my left and they tapped her on the shoulder and they said they were going to break the table and they said we're going to take you to the main table because mm. you know, the one with the TVs and such right, yeah. yeah, and immediately, you know, you're going to get 10 grand because some sponsor's going right. to, you know, was going right. to give you like a hat or, yeah. or something. Right. So she basically in that minute when they made right. the decision to move her there, right. she made her buy in money back. Wow. Right. So from there she was playing with house money. That's right. Awesome. You're on a free amazing. roll. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so and how it, long did that last? <laughs> uh, a it was about or? a year. Uh-huh. Um,
2: and so I started out playing at the penny tables. Um, this was online so Mm -hmm. I was playing you know multiple tables 12 hours a day and I started out with like a hundred dollar bankroll and my goal that whole year was to build my bankroll and I got up to about 12 grand Mm -hmm. on my bankroll so you know was moving up the table size moving the stakes that way and um but as the year progressed um it started to be a, a lot less fun, yeah. you know? And it, and it was really turned into a job, and I, I loved mm-hmm. the game of poker, and by the time I got to the end of it, I, I hated, it. Mm-hmm. I
0: hated sure. it. And I literally have only played a few times mm-hmm. in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that, because right after I played the main event, yeah, I really didn't play and haven't played very much. Because yeah. it was almost like that whole, You've played at the highest stage ever, right? Nothing yeah. will ever top that high. And I mean, I right. like playing. I do. And right. given an opportunity, I will play. Right. But the the allure wasn't as great after that. Yeah, for me it was just the grind of it. Uh-huh. You know, I couldn't it is hand- grind. I
2: couldn't yeah. handle the bad beats, mm-hmm. you know. In my mind, I knew logically that probability would all mm-hmm. work itself out, but emotionally, I just could not could not handle the bad beats. Yeah. And um it was kind of funny because that's what That's what actually got me back into software development was that mm-hmm. uh, was was that experience of of playing online poker because what you could do with online poker is you could request your hand histories uh-huh. and they would email you mm-hmm. um, this sort of text file of sure. everything that had happened in the hand. Um, and I would write, I wrote code to parse those text files <laughs> and analyze my play. <laughs> and so I wrote these really elaborate applications nice. that were all about analyzing my play. And I mm-hmm. was realizing that I was spending a lot more time doing that than I was actually playing. Mm-hmm. And I was really stressed out when I was playing. Sure. And I was mm-hmm. really happy when I was writing code. So wow. that's what got me back into to software. And that's why I went back to
0: school. It's funny because of that lost aversion. You know, they have a tendency when you play poker to remember your beats more than your wins. Like, right. Yeah. You know, you know, mm-hmm. When you win, you remember that, but with amazing accuracy. Accuracy. When you get a bad beat, you can recount. You know, tell yep. every turn of the card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They talk about right. that
3: in rounder, in the movie Rounders. Yeah. which Though the poker playing in that is hilariously bad. The the <laughs> like movie itself is very good. But he says, you know, all, all great poker players. I think this is very true in life. That you can remember with you know pinpoint accuracy right. your worst beats, but you cannot recall a single right. great win you've had. Right.
2: Well, that's mm-hmm. just human nature. You, True, you remember the negatives because those generally are the things that almost cost you your life. Right. Mm-hmm. So you want to remember those things so you don't make those same mistakes again. So mm-hmm. remembering negatives is it, our brains are sort of wired that way. That, you know, um, it, it makes sense that that would translate to poker. And <laughs> Um, yeah, so so I didn't
0: like
3: that. We should add that question to our to our lightning word question. Worst <laughs> yeah. bad beat in, uh-huh. in poker or life? Uh-huh. No, most people don't want to talk about this.
0: Well, sometimes what bugs me isn't so much the bad beat, or is the is the times like you folded, right. and, and you just you just it gnaws at you like you'll I, never know. I'll never know right. if I had like called yeah. what that flip of that card would have been, would have made my flush or not. You yeah. know, it's like that, right? And it yeah. just gnaws at you because yeah. it made all the difference between for me. And I can remember exactly the, 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 the situation was, had it been a spade, and had I done it, yeah. I probably would have walked away with money. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, but. Yeah. I'm pretty sure would've. my
2: worst one was losing to an inside straight draw on two cards, probably on the turn and the river. Oh. I'm sure those ones always just mm-hmm. infuriated me. Was when some moron was like playing some low...
3: <laughs> quad eights versus quad aces. I had the aces. The The flop comes ace, eight, eight. He's got pocket eights. I have pocket aces. That <laughs> yeah. hurt so bad. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we, oh, we kept betting into each other, get to the river. I move yeah. all in. He snap calls. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> 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 there's only one hand you're snap calling with. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, then they have now in casinos, the bad beat jackpots. Were, which yeah, and this at one least didn't you? hit because mm-hmm.
3: it's aces over eights. Oh, if, had man. it been aces over jacks or higher, oh, I would have been a bad beat. Man.
0: I think it's see 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 so as I've come there to discover, like when we interviewed with Amanda, she's such a foodie, we could easily have a separate podcast just to Bad, talk about yeah. restaurants right. and food. And Now with Ben right. and yeah. Eli, we can have like a completely a poker, poker yeah. podcast podcast. So we're gonna have right. all these Hearsay Social on the air derivatives <laughs> oh, okay. bonus Perfect. episodes, you know. Right. Yeah. All right, right, so let's
2: uh, let's bring you up
0: to Here's Here's a social. social, yeah. Yeah,
2: so after, after going back to school, I, I took a job at a small company called Mobitor mm-hmm. building um, web applications for a mobile CRM tool. So I was building the back end, uh, the administrator version of the software, which was a web app, uh, and their sales force was supposed to be using mobile, mobile clients. Mm-hmm. And back then, there was no iPhone. So this was, um, they were building for Windows Mobile. At that time. Um, I spent about a year there, mm-hmm. uh, and then I transitioned to ask.com. I, oh. I, I liked Mobitor, I liked the software we were building, but I really wanted to be in the consumer space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, was looking around, and I, start, I took a job working on the homepage at, mm-hmm. at ask.com for, um, well, I was there a long time. I was there four years.
0: Mm. Um, that is, I, is a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the longest, it's the
2: longest. Uh, you know, I've been at six places now. This is my sixth job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the longest tenure in my career.
0: And that's pretty common, right? Yeah. In engineering. Oh, for sure. I mean,
2: well, you know, in this industry, it's really easy to hop around. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you get a little bit bored, you get a little bit complacent and you want to take on new challenges. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's very, because it's so easy to jump, people Mm -hmm. jump. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I I think it's just indicative of, of the market. Right. Mm -hmm. We all have a skill that not very many other people have. And Mm -hmm. so it's valuable and it's easy to find jobs. And so, and, um, and there's all kinds of interesting challenges going out there, and there's new languages always you know, emerging and new platforms. And engineers tend to love that stuff, right? They tend to love to learn new things and mm-hmm. solve new problems. And so, yeah, engineers often hop around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, four years is a long time. And, sure. Um, so that was my last job before
0: coming to Hearsay Social. And so what was it that attracted you to Hearsay Social? What brought you in?
2: So I've been a, at that point, I'd been a software developer for, for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, when I went back to school, I studied a, a human-computer interaction, HCI. And so I knew quite a bit about what it takes to build good software, not just from an engineering standpoint, but from a human interface standpoint. Mm-hmm. And at most of my jobs, the engineers really didn't have much of a say in what the product did. It hmm. was like somebody else told you what the what, you know, the value proposition was going to be and even what it was going to look like and how it was going to work. You just built it. Hmm. It was a very sort of code monkey approach. Hmm. Um, and um, I didn't <laughs> want to be a code monkey anymore. Right. <laughs> I knew a Who lot. Who does? Of, right? I mean, nobody, nobody. Nobody wants to be a code monkey. Code monkey. And um, so I wanted to go to a place where I could have a I could use all of my skills in mm-hmm. software development. Right. I still wanted to have my hands in the code. Mm-hmm. Um but I also wanted to, to be able to decide you know, how it worked. Um, and I, so I went and interviewed at a lot of places. And in the startup world, that's pretty common, mm-hmm. right? That is, an, that is not unusual with the newer companies that are emerging today, um, especially for smaller companies where you have to do it that way, right? You have to have people that can wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and looked and, and my, you know, my approach was it has to, it has to satisfy that requirement and then after that, I'll know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. And after I interviewed at Hearsay Social, I, I knew it. Right? I knew that that was where I wanted to be. Um,
0: it's, it's, and, and if you've been listening, if people have been listening, we yeah. do a lot of these employee spotlight series. It seems like we all come to that. After, it's during this interview process. Yeah. And you just, I want to be a part of this. It's something yeah. special. I want to contribute. And I think they'll value what I add You know. Yeah. To, the, to the organization. And I'm,
2: I'm highly involved in hiring on the engineering side. Mm-hmm. And so you know we continue to see that. Right? Mm-hmm. I asked a lot of the people, um, you know, why did you choose Hearsay Social? And a lot of them are, was like, it was the people I met during mm-hmm. the interview cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, they were smart. They were um, interesting. Uh, it seemed like a very, it was not just people that I would enjoy being with on a day-to-day basis, but mm-hmm. it would, I knew that they were smart and talented. And mm-hmm. I was going to learn a lot there. And I was going to do a lot of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, David Robles, in our Cinco de Mayo show, mm-hmm. actually interviewed him after the fact in Spanish, and he said exactly that. Yeah, He said, I came into this building, and I was going to interview with some people, and people came to the lobby and met me, and they talked to me, and they sh- they were engaged yeah. like from the very beginning. And he just said, this is something special. It's not right? what I expect. I guess he knew he wasn't going to be a code monkey, so <laughs> <laughs> he felt pretty good about that. So t- tell us a little bit about your team and the, and the work that you guys do.
2: OK, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a director of engineering, so I oversee roughly a third of the engineering team now. Um, didn't start out that way here. I, I came here to write code, and now, unfortunately, I, I don't really write a lot of code for the company. Um, Uh, Which is good. I mean, that's the job the company needs me to do. And and I'm happy to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't get to write nearly as much code as as I used to. Um, And so I I miss that. Mm -hmm. It's always a choice that the engineer has to make when they transition into management is is to, to step back from the code. Um, but I so anyway my my team um, is responsible for roughly a third of the application
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, we build all of the parts that the agents and advisors use mm-hmm. right so what we call you know internally is the red view and I'm sure if any of our customers <laughs> are listening to that they'll, they'll understand that mm-hmm. um, so most of my teams work on that mm-hmm. um, there's one team that does the data and reports mm-hmm. um, so so that's mostly an administrative side um, but the rest of the teams are all on the, the red view side and um, and there are roughly five of them, So,
0: um, plus mobile
2: also, all of our mobile uh,
0: software. So to clarify, the Redview that we're describing is really the dashboard that agents, producers, and wholesalers, the people out in the field are actually using and the interface that they use. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of mm-hmm. features in there, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's where Social Signals lives. That's sure. where the
2: publisher lives. That's where the content library lives. Um, mm-hmm. That's where they the landing page, where they can go see uh, you know how they're doing, how many connections they've added from the week. And um, that's where act, the activity stream lives. Mm-hmm. That's where, so, yeah, so my teams are responsible for all of those features. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a very wide breadth of, of, of stuff.
0: And then you were mentioning before that you've been so heavily involved or involved in the hiring process. I was mm-hmm. kind of curious, and I meant to ask before, is, What do you look for in an engineer?
2: What do we look for in an engineer? Well, so at Hearsay Social, it's a little bit different than than many other places because we're looking for a lot of different things um, just besides. First of all, they have to be technically strong, Mm -hmm. um, and they absolutely have to be somebody who can be a quick learner. Um, But beyond that, they also have to have somewhat of an an aptitude for being able to look at um, what they're building and decide if it's the right thing.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Because we do empower our engineers to make a lot of product decisions on the fly. Um, And we also empower them to challenge the choices that are made before they get involved in the project, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So that that we make sure that we're building the best possible product for our customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really look for engineers that have that skill already coming in, Um, and so in that particular case we find a lot of um, success hiring people that have built software on their own Mm -hmm. as consultants. Um, people or building software for small businesses. Um, those people have, you know, made a lot of product decisions on their on their own because they're working in a one person shop. So, mm-hmm. so we have a lot of success with those types. But not everybody comes here having that experience. So we look for the do they have the ability to get there in the mm-hmm. future? Is this something that they could grow? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we look for that as well. That's great. That's, That's cool.
3: really cool. I would imagine being able to see can they operate on their own. Yes. Now come operate with us Right Yeah I think it's something that's very You know there are a lot of people I would say across All the different You know business lines here Who have at some point Done a little bit of consulting On the side Or done you know Worked kind of smaller shops Or own their own thing Yeah And I remember when I When I interviewed with Clara You know she just was just like what do you want to do? I'm not going to ask you where do you see yourself five years, but what do you want to do down right. the line? Where yeah. do you want to end up? And I'm like, you know, it could be anything for me, but I'd love to start my own company. I'd love to, you know, run my own right. brand or business or even just be, you know, head of a marketing team at, you know, some company and da, da she's like, man, that's all I care about because yeah. I don't want to see someone who comes in and is like, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll probably just do this for yeah, the rest exactly. of my life. Like yeah. that is not helpful. This right? is not a,
0: we've talked about this before. It's not a culture punch in, punch out. Right. No, it is Absolutely definitely not. not. You it's know, exactly it's, not, not, GSD, it's not, yeah. like I said, the Fred <laughs> Flintstone waiting for the bird to, you know, right. You know, right. No, Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it really is. You're looking for that, um, Kind of that spark, there's an entrepreneurship, you know, yep. I, I, I call it, and, and I know that this is a, like a scrappiness that comes with coming and having ownership and saying, yeah. you know, I'm going to contribute and it's for the good of everybody. Yeah, you know, right. so when I go mm-hmm. to these, and, and I've noticed this with just about everybody, regardless of the role, they all feel this certain sense. And what's been really kind of fun is, you know, where people are hired to do a certain thing and yet they have other skill sets and they can use those skill sets and they add it to the overall enterprise yeah. you know so it's been you know it's been a great place to kind of discover that Right. With others
2: yeah. it really permeates our culture i mm-hmm. mean it is a, it's a huge part of who we are and we definitely look for it at the hiring phase and we definitely encourage it it's, mm. as a manager it's one of the questions i ask my um, my uh, my team every time we meet in one-on-ones not every time but regularly what do you want out of hearsay social what are you doing after you leave here what do you hope to learn and gain and a lot of them are saying exactly that i want to start my own company or i want to go somewhere very small Mm -hmm. and 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 build something on my own and that is a huge part of who we are i mean it's part of our major tenets of our culture, right? GSD and self-directedness and, and customer focus, those are all part of that
4: entrepreneurial right. spirit, right?
3: And it's interesting because though we're, we're putting words to it now, it's sometimes hard to define what exactly that is, but you know it as soon as you hear it or see yeah. it or, you know, we're interviewing a candidate, uh-huh. you know, but the college I went to is a very, you know, I wouldn't say similar necessarily to this, but very specific kind of culture, right. you know, We're a small school, and I mean, not everyone's the same in it, but we all have the same kind of like, you know, go out, really, you know, work hard, play hard kind of mentality, and I did a lot of alumni interviews, and, you know, I'd sit down, and five minutes into that alumni interview, I'd be like, you are going to flourish there, or... Boy, you're really yeah, I think you're gonna struggle. You're looking for something totally different or you're right. just not gonna like the culture, or like the fit. Right. You're and looking the same for structure here. and you're yeah. looking
2: for people who are gonna tell you exactly what, what to, to do, do. Right. And, and all the boxes to check yeah. and, and, and what you know, what do I need to do to succeed? And right. I'm like, well, you need to solve problems that we haven't seen yet.
3: Exactly. Right.
0: Well yeah. and as you mentioned, you know, as far as values are concerned for Here's the mm-hmm. Social, that one of the, the things that we really champion is this whole customer centric approach. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you one thing that's impressed me so much. Is this collaboration that exists between engineering and customer success, engineering and product, right. engineering and marketing, that you know the very fact that we have an engineer on call sitting with our customer yeah. success, mm-hmm. not just here but in, in New York as well, yeah. and you know I I remember uh, you know one of the first quarterly business reviews we call them QBRs, where you go visit with a customer and you're just kind of tracking their progress and you're basically doing a checkup. Yeah. It's almost like what a financial advisor would do with their clients, where they take a look at their portfolio and such. And at this particular um, QBR, Jeremiah mm-hmm. had, had joined us, yeah. and I know he was also interviewed in the podcast, the engineering podcast. Yeah. And um, and I remember we're sitting around the table, and and one of the persons, one of our one of, one of the persons who represents our client said, "I really like this feature." And Jeremiah said, "I built that." Yeah. You know, and yeah. and he was, and, and the person was like. You know, really you yeah. did this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Yeah. And they and it was almost like, Jeremiah, get up, do you know, do your victory lap. <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool. Like I, I could sense that the customer really liked that direct interaction right. yeah. with the people right. who are building and developing these tools that are really helping right. them. So it was yeah. amazing.
2: So we do we do that. We send engineers to um, QBRs or quarterly business reviews with our customers um, as often as we can. Um, we also, like you said, have the on-call where, there, where the engineers, every week there are three engineers that are sitting with our customer success team. And, yeah. and sometimes, yes, we do fly them out to, to New York to, mm-hmm. to be with the customer success team out there. Um, and, yeah, that's absolutely a huge, imp- important part of, of of how we approach, you know, um, building our product. Um, because, like, as that... As that example with Jeremiah demonstrates, is like Jeremiah doesn't just mean that he built it in that somebody else had an idea mm-hmm. and gave it to him, and then he wrote the code for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he very likely meant that he thought up that feature mm-hmm. and then put it into the app, right? right? Um, and that's not uncommon. I mean, engineers are the ones who have a lot of the ideas for features and implement them. You know, the, the audience timing feature that we have in the publisher mm-hmm. um, was an engineering-driven idea, mm-hmm. and um, the, the only way that we can do that, the only way that we can make sure that our engineers are introducing the right features is if they understand our customers really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we expect them to, and, and the best way for them to do that is by meeting with those customers. Right. So that's why they sit with on-call. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when they're on on-call, they actually interact directly with the, the customers. We don't have a policy here where it's like the engineers are never allowed to talk to the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly the opposite of how we want it to be. We, mm-hmm. we want our engineers to be close to our customers. Sure. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and that's, and that's so that they can provide the maximum value.
0: I have to imagine that. And that's a key differentiator, I think, because, you know, I'd I'd never seen it anywhere else, quite honestly. And I, and then I, by the same token, I have to think that feels really good for an engineer from the standpoint of building and developing, and then actually seeing someone say, I like this. Oh, it feels great. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's a lot of work and creativity that goes into it. And part of it is, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a guess, you know, I think this is going to be well received right So to get that direct well everybody wants feedback, yeah. everybody
2: wants what they they create to be valuable to somebody mm-hmm. else right I mean we all want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it absolutely is is extremely gratifying to get that direct feedback uh, especially in, in that sort of setting that, that Jeremiah did. but mm-hmm. but even when you're on the phone with somebody or, or talking to them over email, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very gratifying to get that response. And our customers definitely appreciate it. I know, like, whenever I was on call and I was conversing with, um, you know, there was times when I would converse and fix a problem for somebody on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, hey, I'm an on-call engineer, and I noticed that you had a problem. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, if you have the time, I can help work through that and get it fixed for you this weekend. And, you know, that level of service just always blows them away, right? Mm-hmm. They're just sure. so amazed that, A, I'm talking to an engineer, and B, they're fixing my problem on a weekend or a holiday. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, and that doesn't happen every weekend or every <laughs> holiday necessarily, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we, we are allowed to do that. And that's one of the great things about... About hearsay social is that you know we we don't try to we don't pretend that our engineers um, only know computers right mm-hmm. yeah they mm-hmm. understand our customers and they understand the business and, and that's definitely so, leverage that
0: it's so important I Absolutely. mean it's so important for the development so along those lines then how is it that your team you and your team measure success like how are you guys how do we
2: measure success yeah. well so I mean that's it's different for each of my teams right mm-hmm. um, so for example the um, we have one team right now that, that is working very diligently on trying to bring our customers back, like any users that have sort of lapsed mm-hmm. in using the application sure. or aren't using the application as much, aren't using all of the features of the application, right? So they might be using just publishing, for example, but they're, so they're not using signals. They're not looking at the activity stream. Um, and so we have a team that's looking into how do we get people to discover more of the application or how do we get them back if they've lapsed Um, so they measure their success very much with metrics right Mm -hmm. by measuring the success of their experiments that they run Um, the rest of our teams measure success a little bit more um, you know in terms of how many features do they deliver and whether or not those features are getting used how much value they're adding? There's other teams that are very cautious, right? Because uh-huh. they are working on extremely vital parts of the application, so they measure their success in terms of how often do we not break this <laughs> as we improve it. Okay. Um, and um, you know, so it's different for each team, but uh, but I think primarily it is a looking at um, reported bugs is you know we measure the negative side, um, and then also looking at usage statistics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how many users are using this area of the product. Um, We have to, because my part of the application is used by, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of users, we sort of have to look at it in that macro level. So we use a lot of statistics and Mm -hmm. and, uh, usage Mm -hmm. numbers to measure success.
0: So we've made, you know, some decisions years ago to focus very specifically Mm -hmm. on the financial services industry. And I'm just kind of curious, not necessarily coming from that industry, but servicing and working with this industry and developing, if you will, you know, the tools that are allowing them to connect with their clients. Right, yeah partners, you know, what do you think about the industry? What are your thoughts and your perspectives uh, having been here for for a few years?
2: What do I think about the industry, Um, the financial services industry? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I think the part of the industry that we look at, which is the financial advisors and and, and the insurance industry, the the agents, um, is kind of a part of the industry that I think most consumers really don't think about very often, right? Because Mm -hmm. most of us don't interact with these people very much at all in our lives, and certainly we don't We don't go to choose an an agent or advisor very often. Maybe two or three times in Mm -hmm. a lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I I think I I, before I came to hearsay social, quite honestly, I didn't think about these people at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, except when I was like, "Oh, I'm buying a house, and now I need uh, homeowners insurance. What do I do?" Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, So um, you know, that's the only time I ever thought about it. so I guess the point is, is that it, uh, it would have been nice if somebody was top of my mind because I'd been connected with them on social media, <laughs> um, but um, but it wasn't the case for me in that particular circumstance. So I, I guess yeah. I mean, what do I think about them now? There's well, there's some things that I, were surprising to me about the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is um, how difficult it is for that industry to recruit new new advisors and new agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that problem that they're struggling with. Um, and how also, how the industry itself seems like it's going through this transition. And I know a lot of them are are not certain about what the future is with these um, Mm robo-advisors like um, Wealthfront and Betterment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of our customers are concerned and I know the agents or advisors are concerned about what that means for the future of the industry. Um, So I I think it's a really interesting problem and it's a really transitional period Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I, I guess what I think about it they've got some really interesting and challenging problems to solve. They do, uh, um, which is which is exciting to an engineer, sure. uh, right? Because I can uh, hopefully we can help them solve those problems mm-hmm. um, and compete against those robo advisors, and uh, in in a, in a way, by leveraging their, by leveraging the fact that they're not an algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. By leveraging their the human element mm-hmm. and, and bringing that to bear, but bringing it to bear at scale, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I guess I kind of went off topic there a little bit, yep. but. Not at all. Um,
0: uh, no, you're, you're pretty yeah. On. I was So, just, yeah. Just kind of curious on your perspective, just from the standpoint that uh, we have been recently hiring more and more people with industry mm-hmm. knowledge, especially on the more client-facing roles. Right, um, yeah. And I think it's part of it just because the understanding of the industry, understanding of the nomenclature, but just almost from that objective standpoint, I was curious about your perspectives and, and, uh, in working and serving this industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting. I think one of the other things that's interesting about them is, is that they're, they're an older population. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the things that we're pushing, digital communication, especially social, is new to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that presents a really challenging problem. Like, how do we help them get better at social quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and comfortably, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so yeah, it, yeah, that's, you know, again, an, a fun engineering challenge.
3: So as you know, uh, anytime we get a new employee, we get them stand up and mm-hmm. answer three questions. So we like to have them answer their three questions on the podcast. Right. Uh, is it okay if well. I stay
2: sitting down? Of course. Okay. So you don't Good. have to stand up like me. <laughs> we. <Well>, n- <laughs> now I
3: guess they do sit down. We've kind of... Uh, for, That's right. We've gone, gone to those the talk show. Here, we've the gone talk to the talk approach, show. Yeah, yeah, our our uh, weekly meetings are now done completely in talk show form, <laughs> uh, which is getting pretty hilarious. But all right. So our three questions. Favorite. Uh, we'll start with favorite color.
2: Favorite color is blue.
3: And You're rocking a blue shirt. I too. am. There you go.
2: Yeah, I know most people say red these days. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's just because that's our company color. They just sucking or... up. Yeah, I know. I like, yeah. Hey, no, blue. I'm on. definitely a blue person. Yeah. I like red. I do, too. <laughs> no, I said
3: red my first day. <laughs> um, and then, uh, second question is favorite movie.
2: Favorite movie. Right. Okay. So I actually have a favorite movie that is a romantic comedy, but I don't really? ever tell that because it's really embarrassing. So my Excellent. my uh, the one that I publicly tell people is Hoosiers. Okay. Hoosiers oh, okay. is my favorite good movie. movie. That's yeah. a good rom com. Yeah, it's not a rom. Well, it is a little. It's not a romantic comedy. There's a little bit of a romance element in sure. there. There is. Yeah, Barbara and Hershey and uh, yeah. Uh, so that? anyway, um, that's I, I that is my second favorite movie. Okay. But my favorite movie will be remain. Uh, oh come
3: mysterious. on. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to tell us now. You can't tease like that.
0: Yeah, here, let me turn off the microphone. Right, yeah.
2: Mics yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. are off. You can right, just tell yeah. us. Is it yeah. Love Actually? It's, it's totally Love it's Actually. definitely not Love Actually. No. no. Sleepless in Seattle. It's I'm just going to start Sleepless guessing until you say no. one. No. Sleepless in Seattle is a great movie. It's though. a great movie. I do movie. love that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so no, I'm not going to say it. You're not going to say No. Um... Hmm.
3: Well, email on air at hearsay Corp. If you have a guess <laughs> of what Ben's uh, no, what Ben's weird. comedy is. Um, I think it would be good to have a little bit of a mystery
2: come. there. There's a lot of people here who actually know it. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah.
3: We'll do some we'll do some tweeting we'll do some around. Digging. And yeah. then the last one is spirit animal.
2: Spirit animal. Okay, so this is a hard one. Like this one like there's people here at the company that like to uh, tell me what my spirit animal is. Yeah. And so um, and then I think I've changed it a few times. Right now I think I'm settled on uh, elephant seal.
3: Oh, good one. Yeah, good
2: one. yeah, I really like a combo animal. Know. Yeah, I mean they're big, they're ugly, they're yeah. loud. <laughs> sure, they're you know, and then they 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 can move, like, really fast, and right. yeah. like, yes. they're, like, very violent occasionally, right. mm-hmm. so there's like, there's a lot of power and force there, mm, yeah. Good choice, um, but otherwise, they just lays around on the beach, right. so it sounds like a yeah, perfect fit for Best
3: me. of all worlds, really. Yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Although,
3: I
0: do understand they do like hugs. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I know that's not true, because they don't have arms. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, man. I'm going I'm to add a, a little bonus one in here. A oh, bonus? Sure. sure, a bonus all one, right. yeah. Favorite poker hand.
2: Favorite poker hand. Like like say starting, a, a poker starting hand. Starting hand. Starting poker like favorite no two and limit, no limit starting hole. hand. Yeah. yeah. Um. I like oh, ooh. I like ace queen. Um. Yeah. Just because I like to play it a little bit more aggressively than sure. most people do, and so it is a um, it's one of those hands that, that you can that I feel very comfortable pushing with. Yeah. Um. But and I also really like suited jack ten.
3: Oh yeah, I love just because of the versatility of it. Yeah, you know, you can
2: you can get a little bit loose with that one, a little bit risky because it pays off in so many different ways.
0: I I love getting like um, what is like eight eight or a nine nine as Mm -hmm. a starting, you know, yeah, and then but only if you flop like if you flop that trips or whatever, and then at that point it's so well disguised, you limp in so you get you get you get paid out, you know. If, mm-hmm. especially if the person's holding like a, a single ace and then you know right, yeah. and then they pair up or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah and then in the end you just get paid off like nobody right. sees it coming yep. you've got this.
2: you can limp it with that one and mm-hmm. if you hit like if you hit it um you get the set on the flop then mm-hmm. you're then you can play really aggressively yeah. you can also play play back on that and then if you get rags on the flop Mm-hmm. Then you can sort of come out aggressive on that first bet on the flop and everybody's like, I have no idea what's going on. Exactly. There.
0: Right. And so a lot of people will bail right then. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah well yeah, let me ask it. you this uh-huh. as a corollary to that. What what do you feel like what gives you more joy? The ability to to you know to win the hand uh-huh. or win it because you bluffed it. Like another you know what I'm mm. saying? Like reading the player so well. Boy. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to straight there's up win because you a have the better hand. Yeah. But there's another one where yeah, you yeah. just play that player and you yeah. don't show it. I love and you that. And just, you just like that. or Or the other one is like, the lay down like whenever you just you just read it and you lay it down and then the person flips and you were beat and you just knew it I just love that feeling I I
2: think I mean I think that's totally right is is all of those are great Uh is when you when you make the right play in and at the right moment um regardless of whether it's a win or or a a lay down um I think though what I really like is what you, you kind of alluded to which is it's not so much the bluff as it is playing the player. Mm-hmm. Like I love playing yes. the player um, and not playing the cards. Mm-hmm. That's when you when you can do that and you've got a read on somebody and you're very comfortable with that. It is um, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. That's
3: why I didn't like online poker as much when it came right, out it's, because it's harder I prefer to, do that. to be sitting it's down. Harder to I prefer do that. to be yeah. able to read patterns. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think we're gonna have to start this bonus, you know, bonus <laughs> podcast, talking, yeah. talking poker yeah. with Ben. See, yeah.
3: see, you guys both picked good starting hands. See, for me, I feel like a favorite poker hand should not be a, a good hand necessarily. My, mine's th- Ace Eight. I like the wild bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: man, I wow, used to play with okay. this, guy, which is just a stretch
3: play <laughs> right, hand. You yeah,
0: know? I used to play with this guy whose favorite starting hand, no joke, was three four. No, jeez. <laughs> and it was because he was a huge Walter Payton fan. Oh, good oh nice. god, now, that the is thing the is, worst though, reason. When you, <laughs> you know, But the thing is that anytime we'd play with him, be it tournament or cash game, as soon as as soon as let's say the flop was like three, four, four or
3: yeah. three four we, we all folded. still in he's, he's <laughs> probably holding three four. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs>
0: So, Ben, thank you so much for stopping by. Sure, yeah. And it's great. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the industry and such. No problem. And um,
3: great. We'll see you back soon, maybe. Yeah, for the poker podcast. Yeah, the poker (laughs) podcast.
0: All right, so that was the interview with Ben. Yep. Always a good time.
1: Yep, such a character.
0: He is a character, and you know, I gotta tell you for for myself and for Eli, we really enjoyed that conversation at the end. We just kinda knew that something special was happening, just the interplay and the conversation, Mm -hmm, it felt mm -hmm. so natural. And the other thing is, you know, this whole employee spotlight series, I've really, really enjoyed how much we're learning from our fellow employees. I mean, Mm -hmm. people we work with day in, day out, Mm -hmm. and understand their entire journey from the point of where they grew up, where they went to school, and the various jobs that they've had kind of leading up to this. So the, the the takeaways that I had, the things that I was surprised with that, you know, he started as an English literature major yep. at Columbia University, yep. mm-hmm. and now he's a director of engineering. So I, I think the lesson there for those of you who might be getting into this business or considering getting into this business is there is no real linear path sometimes. There is not. Mm-hmm. Right, and you can get started. I mean, I know you did computer science mm-hmm. when you were at the University of California mm-hmm. here at uh, across the bay in Berkeley. But, um, but for someone like like Ben, you know, starting with English literature and then doing software engineering kind of on the side, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. how that kind of brought him into the business eventually.
1: Yeah, it was super surprising for me too, because I work with Ben almost mm-hmm. every day, and I knew that he came from a non-technical background, but mm-hmm. his journey to getting here was very interesting. I didn't know that like his poker days had such a (laughs) big influence on it yeah yeah
0: (laughs) well we talked quite a bit of that quite a bit yeah uh, we said that could easily be a whole other podcast I
1: think so you guys were on a roll
0: we were and I mean Eli was prepared to just break open a deck of cards and let's just start playing (laughs) right now and start working but what I thought was very interesting you talk about that is how the series of bad beats and the fact that playing professional poker can be a grind because it is a job like Mm -hmm. people think it's just a game it's more than a game it Mm -hmm. requires so much concentration and so how developing and coding you know based on mm-hmm. the analysis that he was getting back on his uh his uh, the history of right. his play how he was writing codes to analyze that play mm-hmm. and that he was discovering how much more he he enjoyed, enjoyed the, that the, part the, the, of the coding it. Mm-hmm, part more mm-hmm. than the actual playing part mm-hmm. and how that kind of drove his career to shift mm-hmm. and move into you know working for ask.com um, you know, doing human computer interaction and yep. coding and yep.
1: kind of getting back into the game. Yeah, that was super interesting.
0: So I, I suppose we might be able to, if we had to, is thank some of those individuals that he played poker against, yeah. you know, <laughs> for, for, you know, having him realize this grind to bring <laughs> yeah. him to uh, to hearsay social. Exactly. And, so is it really a term? I, I wanted to ask you this uh, code monkey. Yes. Is
1: that, that is a and real that term. That is definitely a term. Wow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. no code monkeys here. No code monkeys here.
0: Nuh-uh. Well, and so I'm guessing that you found it attractive. I think you brought it up when we did your podcast. This whole idea about how the engineers here at Hearsay Social do have a say yes on what these things look like and yes. feel like in the experience, right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And so by having that ability to bring in that creative element, mm-hmm. I, gotta, I have to imagine it's extremely rewarding.
1: Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know there's definitely teams out there, like engineering teams, who prefer to keep the roles very specific and very almost siloed Um, there you can run a team very efficiently that way and very productively that way but I do like that here our engineers are required to kind of step up and do a little more and um, I personally love that I personally love that I can like work on a specific project and then I can walk over to customer success and talk to them about like certain problems and get some feedback there. Mm -hmm. And it's just very dynamic and active. And so I appreciate that a lot here.
0: That's great. Well, the other thing too is, um, you know, Ben did highlight that him and his team uh, focuses very specifically on the part of our platform that the agents, producers, and wholesalers are using Mm -hmm. both for, you know, analyzing their data and the reports, um, sharing um, you know, information, the content from the content libraries, mm-hmm. uh, taking a look at their activity streams. So they really are that here and say part of the equation. Yep. And then that your team on the compliance side is ensuring that all of that is being done yep. in a compliant fashion. So mm-hmm. working very closely together. Do you think that um, it, it's really helped to have these Separate teams focus on the different aspects. How much? I guess what I'm getting at is how much interaction is there between your team and let's say Ben's team? Mm-hmm. You know, one mm-hmm. and one being kind of on the proactive send part, and the other one mm-hmm. is on more on the oversight and mm-hmm. um, uh, regulatory control side.
1: Right, right. There's definitely a lot of interaction there. Um, it's it's usually in terms of. Well, there's two parts. I feel like there's one part when there's actually the product and the feature itself requires you to talk and interact mm-hmm. and decide like how you actually want to build this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, if the RedView, if the advisor side it wants to build a feature that'll that requires some sort of like pre-approval, some sort mm-hmm. of like compliance feature there, mm-hmm. then there's that forced kind of product-led. Um, interaction right Mm -hmm. and then there's the second side that's just technical it's just purely technical like there are certain technical problems that we run into in very different forms Mm -hmm. so these we refer to kind of as like design patterns and um, if we've seen the same kind of problem arise in our product that has come about in a different team then we love to encourage that interaction because then you could just learn from them and also maybe even build on top of it and build some kind of like a library that everyone can use. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we definitely interact a lot there. And so I, I think that way we can just promote a lot more like speed and productivity and, um, just growth. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot
0: of creativity I think throughout the entire process. We have a whole other team, Mm-hmm. is currently working on the development and further advancement of our website's yep. Yep. Uh, solution. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, they were all wearing these shirts the other day was, mm-hmm. you know, about the Hearsay sites. And so, you know, if you're interested in any of this, mm-hmm. uh, just feel free to reach out to us. You know, you can always find us here at onair at or follow along, send us a tweet at hashtag HSOnair and we're always hiring right yeah so we're looking for people so Mm -hmm. if you think that hearsay social whether it's on the engineering side uh product 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 development um you know customer success check out our careers page at hearsaysocial.com careers to see what opportunities are currently available and we're always looking for talent and Mm -hmm. uh you know with 10 new interns and all these exciting projects that we're working on this is a great place To work, I'm hoping that just by listening to some of these podcasts for so some of those people that might be interested about the culture are getting a good sense of who what we're about. Right. right? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, And that's why it's been an exercise for us to kind of circle through people who represent different departments, not just here in San Francisco, but Mm -hmm. we spent some time out. Yeah, I love that. I love
1: that. I love the team out there.
0: Yeah. So hopefully, we'll be able to get out to some of our remote employees. But the other thing that's happening, as you know, in July. We've got the entire company coming back to San Francisco for Mm -hmm. for a few days, and I'm hoping to use that as an opportunity to interview some of our people who are based in Europe, uh, up in Canada, Mm -hmm. throughout the U.S., and also in Hong Kong. So um, we'll see if we can get some of those people on the show so I just can't get over how much fun it was to do this interview with Ben. Did you, oh, yeah. Would you?
1: anything else, anything else you wanna share? So one of the things that stood out to me was, okay, so here's the thing, I'm not a poker player. <laughs> I, I don't know how to poker uh-huh. at all, and so when I was hearing you guys talk about it, it was so, I could feel the energy, it was so exciting because you're speaking the same language and mm-hmm. using all these terms, and it, it like made me think about when I first started working in this industry. Hmm whenever you enter into like a room full of engineers, they start using these terms and using, you know, like survey or code monkey and things like that. Right. And, um, and I just remember feeling like, oh my goodness, like where's my dictionary? I don't know how to speak this language. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just thought it was really interesting that like poker had the same exact thing. And I'm sure like financial services have exactly the same thing. All those acronyms, all those terms and all those like cool words that make it sound so like (laughs) so cool you know but it was it was super exciting just like hearing you guys like i don't know use specific terms for for certain hands and certain moves Mm -hmm. and all that and yeah i just thought it was really fun to hear all of that
0: (laughs) well i'm sure eli and ben and I would be more than happy to teach you more terms. If, mm-hmm. you, if you've got some cash in your pocket, <laughs> <laughs> I'll break open a deck of cars and we'll give you a quick lesson on what a bad beat really is uh, when it comes to poker. But it's funny that you bring that up because I felt that same way when yeah. I first joined Hearsay Social. Um, you know, we all independently uh, become experts where well, we are experts in our own silo, mm-hmm. you know, so either mm-hmm. marketing or advocacy or sales. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta tell you, it's one of the things I really love. And I've said this often mm-hmm. in the podcast of working in this building and that we're all in the same floor
4: mm-hmm.
0: that I can walk over to the engineering area. And I, I know I don't need to know what what's on screen as far as code. Right. I mean, I feel really comfortable knowing that, that, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but almost through osmosis, you start picking up. Mm-hmm. like little things here mm-hmm. and there and the, the terms you may use to describe certain situations or certain, certain challenges. And, um, you know, so if you haven't recently visited our office and I had been away a lot the mm-hmm. last couple of months, I hadn't realized that they had painted, Oh yeah, you know, yeah. on the side, all these, and I know it was, it was code, it was binary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Zero one ones mm-hmm. and, zeros mm-hmm. and, I, and I looked at that and I thought, this must say something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And it does. It right? does.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It says, and social I believe mm-hmm. I think here hearsay was too big because we had it in like huge red numbers but yes, zeros yeah zeros and ones yep the zeros and ones
0: and I mean, I thought to myself okay so only a, a certain group is actually going to be able to look at that and then it's actually <laughs> going make sense to them but but I thought but at least I knew enough to know that yes, they probably exactly. said something exactly right? so exactly. I was sharing with uh with Garland who was with us at the mm-hmm. last time we were together on the podcast that, um, I remember visiting my dad who worked for IBM his whole career mm-hmm. and, uh, him handing a, going to see the machines that were actually doing the punch oh, cards.
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The old punch mm-hmm. cards. It
0: was like, wow, we've come, we've come such a long way. I
1: love hearing those stories. Mm-hmm. My, my father would tell me the same kind of stories and it would just blows my mind. Like <laughs> apparently there was specific, um, I, I, I guess like. I don't even know what they would call them, but the people who would actually do the punching Mm -hmm. and they were often women. Mm -hmm. And so you had to be really nice to them Mm -hmm. or else they don't get your program run as quickly. (laughs) And I didn't even know that this was a thing, but I remember sitting around with my father and his friends and they were talking about this and how like, sometimes you would have to like um, like get there really, really early and there would be like a huge line of people who just wanted their programs punched out onto (laughs) the cards and it just blows my mind. It's so different now.
0: Oh, I would wonder, you know, if, if, if we'd be able to even understand it, mm-hmm. you know, if you went back like 20, 30 years with yeah. some knowledge that you have and you were faced with, you know, uh, some of this information, it it, it almost reminds me of, um, I think I was reading a story where there was like a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Like they had buried a time capsule and it was to be open like 20 or 30 years later and when they opened it, it had all this old technology that they, there's no even machines uh-huh. to read a floppy disk oh, anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> things like that you know that, that people thought we're gonna be real progressive we're gonna save this yeah. on a floppy disk or mm-hmm. or even we're gonna save this on a dvd so there's probably time capsules right now where yeah. people save things like an on audio tape or a vhs mm-hmm. and then when they open it you know 20 30 40 50 60 100 years later yeah they're not even gonna they're have no, anything yeah. to play it with they're exactly gonna like, well, what do we do with this i right? know <laughs> so we'll see we'll i know see. we'll see we'll see exciting times Exactly. So, um, so we've got some really exciting shows coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we hope you'll uh, stay tuned. We also are planning a very, very special episode 50. Mm-hmm. So, we already started the planning process. I won't give away who our guest speaker is going to be, but I can promise you it will be an awesome show.
1: It will be very exciting. So,
0: please stick around for that. Uh, but before I let you go, Joyce, yes. I realized that Eli and I started asking everybody all the three questions
1: oh yeah uh
0: after your show Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I can't let you get away without answering the traditional three questions so we'll start with your favorite color
1: my favorite color is red and this has nothing to do with what Ben mentioned about just the (laughs) color of hearsay um it has always been red so it's red
0: yeah and it's mine as well and for the very same reasons and today I say I never wear it I know, you know I, I, I noticed red. that. Yeah. I was well, like,
1: "Wow, that's so exciting!" I'm sure
0: this isn't really—it's the, the, the really not really red. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of more of a. What would you say it is? You're probably better with colors, like a salmon.
1: Like a salmon? Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of a salmon than like a red red. Yeah, I'm
0: rocking the salmon pants here. So it's fun, though. It is. It fun. is summer. Yeah, so you know you got to bring out the salmon pants. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> question number two: Favorite movie.
1: Favorite movie. That's always a hard one, yeah. but I'm going to say. Forrest Gump.
0: Forrest Gump. Yeah, okay. that was a great movie. Very creative. Mm-hmm. Very creative pick, and too. Just,
1: oh, it just tugs at your heartstrings, and it was so, I don't know, it was just a beautiful film. I loved it.
0: It was very defining, uh, both mm-hmm. of its time based oh, yeah. on the technology from a filmmaking perspective, but also the fact that the story kind of covers this very... Uh, monumental time frame in yes. our, in our history, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in the U S and Tom Hanks. I mean,
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. The East Bay, East Bay guy from Concord,
0: Yeah. yeah. So East Bay, uh, Tom, he must be happy. The Warriors won. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great. Okay. And then the last question, this one is always a little, little,
1: Oh, the controversial one, the yeah. the spirit, spirit animal. Hmm. So, I know a couple of people who have joined who've been taking online tests for this. I didn't know that there exists online tests for this, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think, so someone told me this one day that I was the spirit animal and I thought it was hilarious and I don't know if I actually agree with it, but I think it's just hilarious. I'm going to use it. It's a chinchilla. Chinchilla. Someone said that I was a chinchilla. Hmm. So I think I'll just stick with that because I, that cracks me up. (laughs) Well,
0: it's, it's good enough for me. sounds like the right answer. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, Joyce, thank you so much for joining me today on so this special episode. Me. So Eli is in Portugal. Uh-huh. He oh. should be back for the next recording. But, you know, thanks to Sanjeev. Thank you to you for co-hosting during his absence and sharing this uh, the stories regarding Ben you know, I think we should both end this by maybe walking over to his desk and giving a big bear hug. Oh, I
1: think he would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. What's,
0: up with, what's up with the hug so, thing?
1: I don't know. He's just he's just so uncomfortable. By I, I haven't <laughs> given him a hug. But it was hilarious because the interns, um, I think it was when eight of them had started. Mm-hmm. It was around the time, it was his birthday. And they made him a crown with bells on it. Uh-huh. And then they plotted to walk over to his desk give him a big group hug, and sing happy birthday while hugging him. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. (laughs) He was just standing in the middle like, what is happening? Oh, I'm sorry I missed it. (laughs) I'm sure we can find a video recording somewhere. All right,
0: well, we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. So once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And as always, uh, a couple things. Follow along on the Ronnie Walk update. We don't have one today. We'll have one on the next show. So Ronnie, if you're listening, West Always West, he's on hashtag RonnieWalk. Mm-hmm. Also, we've been updating photos and updates. We also put an additional uh, place for SoundCloud recording of the podcast on our Facebook page. So if you go to facebook.com slash air, you'll find our Facebook page on Twitter, hashtag HSONair. But I want to thank you for joining us. I'm Victor Gaxula, and my guest today is Joyce Tang. We'll see you next time. And ready for the lightning round? I'm
3: ready. Bring it. Rolling Stones or Beatles?
0: Beatles. A house in the mountains or a house at the beach? A house at the beach.
3: A's or Giants?
0: Giants. Cold with a blanket or hot with a fan? Cold with a blanket.
3: Cage with a bear or tank with a shark?
0: Cage with a bear. Nice. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Wow. Oh, nice, right. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, What are you guys looking at? Yeah.
2: When Harry met Sally.